thing. So that was the politics. Yeah. Today we're starting. We're starting today together to learn together. Some of you guys started already. Parakachilo, Babakama. Some of you starting soon. And a general idea that you have to know specifically in Babakama, Parakachilo, as well as in Kolatarakula, really, is a general concept of what constitutes a halachic action. What's a maisa? Right, this is relevant to damaging someone. We want to consider like you damage them. Right, you punch someone, it's pretty straightforward. You damage them. You have corona and you walk around without a mask. Did you damage them? What's a maisa? So that's what we're going to discuss today. How do you define a halachic maisa? Um, it's relevant to the Shabbos. You did a maisa malacha or not? This concept is broken down into three categories. Number one is an action, a direct action which you did. That is very straightforward. If you did an action, you had an intent to do so, it's not considered like you did it. There's two other concepts, one's called grama, and one's called garmi. Grama and garmi are two different categories of indirect actions, and the Torah, Chazal, viewed the ramifications of those two different types of actions differently. So what we're going to try to explore is what's the nature of each one of these indirect actions, what's the nature of a grama, what's the nature of garmi, what are the ramifications in regards to different concepts, the zikin, in regards to acquisition, in regards to performance of mitzvahs, right? All these different things we're going to have to try to delve into. I don't know if we're going to be able to touch on everything today, but uh, we're going to try to cover as much as we can. So if you look on the source sheet, source number one, and source number two, we bring two different sources for the concept of grama. The first case is talking about a cow. A cow falls into a well. Right? Now when a cow falls into a well, unfortunately you're not able to drink the water anymore. The Gemara wants to discuss under what nature, under what circumstances are you liable to pay for the damage that was incurred to the well? And what circumstances are you exempt from any kind of payment? So the says as follows, I'm a Rabba. Rabba said that the fact that you're exempt, that you're liable, I'm sorry, that's only talking about a case where the well became unusable because of the animal itself, the state of the animal itself, meaning the animal's covered in dirt, it falls into the well, the water becomes murky, now you can't drink it. That's when you're liable to pay for the drinking water that you ruined, the well that you ruined. But if the water becomes unfit to drink because the cow starts to decay, right? It's a carcass, it starts to rat. Then you're potter. You don't have to pay for the value of the well. Yes, the Gemara, my time, why would you be exempt? It was an indirect cause. It was an indirect ruining of the well. And therefore, on an indirect action, you're not liable. So that means you push a cow into a well, the cow is clean, the well, dirt, the well water from the onset was fine to drink. The fact that the cow decays after time, so there, not liable, exempt. Another case, we're going to see soon, the Gemara says explicitly, we're going to delve into what this case is. The Gemara says, In a circumstance where every cause an action in Ezekiel that is an indirect action, even if it causes damages through that indirect action, you're not, monetarily, you're not monetarily liable for that result. That's the din when it comes to grama. When it comes to garmi, we see the din is different. The Gemara here says, 
Rishlakish Akvili Dinuri the Rebi Elazar. Rishlakish showed a coin to Rebi Elazar. He wanted to know if this coin was something which was usable. Is a valid coin, an invalid coin? So Amr Mahal Yehu. He said, This coin is a great coin, you can use it. So Amalei Chazi da Allah Kasamichna. He said, You should know that I'm relying on you. I'm relying on you. You told me it's a good coin. I'm taking this coin. It's not counterfeit. It's whatever. It's usable. So now, I'm relying on you. What do you mean you're relying on me? What's the implication of that? That if you find out that this actually this money is not usable, you're going to come back and ask me to switch you? You want me to trade you out? You ever had that? You go to the, the mikvah and you put in the 10 shekel coin and it pops out in the bottom? Right? No? All right, fine. Yeah, so now I'm going to switch you out with the 10 shekel coin? Comes along the Gemara and says, that would mean that you hold a Dina de Garmi. Dina de Garmi is a machlokas tenayim. So here we see already that was when it came to Grama, Grama was assumed by the Gemara that Grama is Pater. When it comes to Garmi, so there the Gemara says it's a machlokas tenayim. And the truth of the matter is that according to halacha, we hold you liable for garmi. That's going to be a chiv, halachically. So we're going to have to understand what the difference is. Here, what happened? He said that the coin, you know, is, is good. And now if that coin becomes unusable, that's, that's damages, that's called garmi. So what's the distinction here? So we're going to have to take this one step at a time. Before we can determine what's groma garmi, first let's determine what's groma. So the Gemara here is a Gemara of Kama. We're not going to see this together. It's a Gemara Nakainis. The Gemara says as follows: There's still the sages taught, source four guys. Liba What happens if you have a fire? Right. So now the fire is burning in a field, and it's a windy day. So the wind blows the fire. What happens if you take a fan, and you also start fanning the fire with the with the wind? So it's going to spread, right? So now, both of you, both the wind and you fanning it, cause the fire to spread. So says the Gemara as follows. Both you and the, and the wind are causing this fire to go forth. If, with you flaming the wind, right, with you flaming the fire, I'm sorry, that would be enough to get the fire to move on its own, then you're chayev, you're liable. Vimlav, but it's not, if it's not enough, if it, you need the wind also in order to get this fire to move, and you fanning it's not enough, then you're going to be potter. You're not liable. Yes, the Gemara, Mai. Why are you chayev? At the end of the day, you fanned it. Says the Gemara, It should be like Zorah v'ruach meseyato. We know, there's, when it comes to Malacha Shabbos, there's a Malacha called Zorah. Zorah means winnowing in English. You guys know what winnowing is? You take... You take a crop, you take a pitchfork, you throw it in the air, and the wind separates the chaff and the grain. That's called winnowing. So there, the Gemara asks that how come your putter, you really should be obligated, because it's like Zorah v'ruach mesayato. The same way when on Shabbos, for Hilcha Shabbos, if you are Zorah, you will your wheat. We hold you liable for it. It's a malacha deraisa. It's awesome, you can't do it. There you're liable. So, so too, when it comes to this fanning of the fire, very good, you couldn't have done it on your own. 
But the same way that you couldn't have done it only when it comes to Zora, you're liable. So, so to here, you should also be liable. That's the Gemara's question. So Ravashi, the Gemara says a few different answers. Ravashi answers as follows. Ravashi, Ravashi, When we say that Zora is liable, that's only true when it comes to Shabbos. Because the Torah forbade Malachas Machsheves. Malachas Machsheves means, for our sake, it means it was a, uh, a thought-through action. It was intended, an intended action. And there, this is Malachas Machsheves. Why? Because what you were trying to do, right, the normative way to go ahead and winnow your, your, your wheat is by using the wind. But here, when it comes to spreading a fire to damages, it's a groma. Now, the Rishonim here, we're going to present four or five approaches in the Rishonim and how to define a groma. And based off how we define a groma, is going to have massive, massive halachic ramifications. We're going to see that soon. So, start off with the rush. Yeah? The rush in source five, what's it mean? A grama says the rush as follows. We don't say that the wind helped the, the fire to spread. And we don't say like it, that he did it on his own. The same way that when it comes to Zorah, we said that the person did the full action. Even though the wind helped him. Because when it comes to winnowing, we say like he did the action all on his own. There, the Torah forbade Malachas Machsheves. We have to see some of what that means in this context. Even though he's not the one separating the grain from the chaff, right? The wind's doing it. That's the way, that's the nature that the Torah created the obligation. Since that's the main way to do it. But here, when it comes to spreading the fire, this is an indirect cause. So if you guys had to say, what's the chilek, what's the distinction that the rush is going to make here? What would you, how do you guys define it? Maybe? Oh, beautiful. What's the difference? Is this the normative way to do it or not? If this is the normal performance of the action, so then that's when you're going to be liable. But if it's not the normal performance of the action, there's a second party, or you're doing an getting involved to get the, the result of this action to come into fruition, so that's called a grama, right? So when it comes to Zora, that's the normal way to do it, you're hired. When it comes to spreading a fire, someone else fans it with me, that's not the normal way to do it. Therefore, it's going to be a grama. That's the stance of the rush. Now, there's a tesis of Rabbeinu Peretz, right? Another one of the Rishonim, one of the Balai tesis. It says as follows. When we say that you winnow and the, and the wind helps to accomplish that result, that's only true when it comes to Shabbos, because there, the Torah forbade and therefore, when he does, when he winnows, when he does the winnowing with the help and the assistance of the wind, 
And that's considered like it's his strength and his malachas machshavas. But it doesn't considered a meisas ria on its own. So now, what does that mean? It's not considered a meisas ria on its own, but it's still called malachas machshavas. What's that mean? So the way I understand this, guys, this one's a little harder. The way I understand it is that according to the Rebbeinu Peretz, you, and what constitutes a Mesa? Doing everything that's necessary to bring about the desired result. So what do I want? I want that the chaff is separated from the grain. So what do I have to do that? How do I have to bring that about? I throw it in the air. And by throwing it in the air, I did everything incumbent upon me to make it bring about that result. By throwing it in the air, definitionally the wind's going to separate the two. And therefore, that's all I have to do. That's the action. That defines the action of separating. Whereas when it comes to Liba Ha'ish, right? I'm fanning the fire, and the wind's also fanning the fire. So if I can't fan it on my own, it's not enough on my own to fan it, that's called a grama. Because I didn't do everything necessary in order for that to spread. Yeah, Joey. What about, what about like, if you're a place without wind or something, you could say that the wind is the necessary part to create it. It's still an action. So. Yeah, but if there's no wind, then we're not going to get the result either. So if you don't separate the two, so you're not going to, it's not even the Malach Zora. You're saying, you're saying, what do you mean about Zora if there's no wind at all? No, because the two things won't get separated. The grain won't get separated from the chaff unless there's wind blowing the chaff apart. The chaff is lighter than the grain, so the wind blows the chaff. If there's no wind, the chaff will stay with it. Did you not do everything necessary to also separate, to, to also cause the fire to go? No, that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that if it was, I'm sorry, source four, if, if your own fanning had enough to get it to spread, then you're chayiv, even if the wind blew. The imav, but if your own fanning didn't have enough, so then you didn't do everything that was necessary, therefore you're putter. But in the case of the winnowing, you're throwing in the air, doesn't it? You're throwing plus the wind. Yeah, but what do I what what is incumbent upon me to get it separate? What do I have to do to make sure this process happens? What I have to do to make sure this process happens is throw it in the air. That's my part, right, in the thing, in the process. It's like putting it something into a machine soon. You put something into a machine and the machine operates. So now I have to do everything, or the fact that I get the machine to operate is considered like it's my action. Right? So here we already see a distinction between the rush and the rubbing of parrots. So according to the rush, you have to do the action in the way that it's normatively done. That's what's considered a maisa, and if you do it in an abnormal way, that's going to be considered a grama. According to the rubbing of parrots, you have to do everything necessary to get the desired result, whatever's incumbent upon you to bring it about, even if it's in an abnormal fashion. So even though when it comes to borer, so there's a permission, they were permitted to separate the good from the bad because that's called derech achila. When it comes to zora, zora is a separate malacha from borer, and therefore there's no allowance of derech achila, of taking good from bad, and that's the nature of the malacha, that they actually separate the soul. So now, there's a third approach here. You have a question? Right, One more just question. Just quick clarification what the Tosarim Meaning to say that when you throw it up in the air, obviously you're not doing the zriya, right? You're not doing it on your own. You didn't separate the chair from the grain. So why is it then that that's called zora? Why is that tantamount to a malacha? The answer is because you did everything necessary. 
Since you did everything necessary to bring that into fruition, so that's considered your maisa. It's a good question. It's not 100% our sugya. We can talk about it afterwards. Is that okay? Okay, awesome. So now, one more case, guys. We're not, I'm, I love the questions. I want to, I, I bet some I want to answer them, but we have to get on a little bit, all right? Get the afterwards, though. So the Torah says as follows. The Torah is the third approach here. The Torah says, Let's say you're wearing a talis. Yeah, Shabbos morning, you're wearing a talis. And your chesidus hashul, so you still have candles burning from last night, and the talus gets lit on fire. Hashem yirachim, yeah? Catches on fire. You're jumping around, it's alright, alright. Shabbos morning, it's exciting. You're lit on fire. Hashem yirachim. So what do you do? Poshta, take off the talus, umiskaseba, and wrap it up. And don't be concerned whether it goes out or not. Since it's not, you don't have the intent to put it out. What do you have to do? You have the intent to uh, keep it away from endangering, endangering anyone. You don't have the intent to put it out. So if you do that, it's fine. So how, what's, what's here? Where's the grammar here? So the grammar is as follows. There's two ways that you can go ahead and define an action. You can define an action because your action always has a certain result. Right? That's one way. And you can define an action through your intent. This is what I'm trying to do. So even this, though it doesn't always have this result, that's what I'm trying to do. So it's another way to define what, I, what, what I'm performing right now. So it comes along the tour and says, if your action doesn't always have this result and you don't have that intent, that constitutes a grama as well. So that would be a third approach to defining a grama. If you do an action that doesn't, isn't self-defined, and you're not intending for that result, that would constitute a grammar. Now, what's it mean if an action is self-defined or not self-defined? So I want to bring you here, a Gemara Shabbos, and after the, we the, jump into this Gemara Shabbos, we're going to see how this is manifest, all these different opinions. Yeah? So the Gemara says as follows. Detanya, a guy takes a magic marker and writes God's name on his skin. Okay, okay. Right? So here, you might be wondering how you can write on your skin. You can't write on your skin. It's mutter, tattoos, etc. Group 2, we're going to talk about it today. Put your seatbelts on. Pumped. Yeah? So he has a magic marker, God's name written on his, uh, written on his arm. So what's he do? Hari zelo yirchut. He shouldn't take a bath. No more baths. That's it. Velo yosuch. He can't anoint himself with oil. Velo yamad b'makam atinoifes. And he can't even go to places, right? He can't go to the bathroom anymore. God's name is on your skin. No way. Nizdamnu lo tefillah shal mitzvah. Now what happens? A tefillah shal mitzvah. He has to go to the mikvah. No choice. It's a chiyuv. So what, what's the din? What should he do? Korach al-le'agemi. He should wrap, you know, one of those yellow bands that you have here around it, a blue band, for the same price, yeah? Wrap it around the shame so it doesn't come off. And then what? Go into the water. Rabbi Yossi says, you don't have to come on to Tefillah Shal really, you can always go and take a bath. You just have to be careful, don't take the, the loofah, right, that's what's called a loofah, yeah? And don't rub off the name. As you can go in the water, just don't rub it off. 
So says the Gemara, Shani Hasam, the Amakrov, Right, you should destroy the name, right, the Avodazara from that place. You shouldn't do that to God, meaning you can't actively do it. I see who the Aser, to actively do it, to be Meshavshev, to scrub it off, that's Aser. But Grama, but to do a Grama Shari. Grama Shari. Now, the Vishenim here, Achreinim here, go and try to determine what it means, Grama. Says of Rashba. The Rashba says, The Olam here, but they build a Shalishavshev. According to Rabbius, he could always take a bath. Why? Tmili. This is astonishing. This is wild. You have God's name written on your hand and you're going into water. Since he's going into the water, you're going ahead and putting yourself in a situation where it's getting get rubbed away. You're doing that. You're doing that. So how is that permissible? That has to be also. So says the Rashba, It's not considered... Like you're going ahead and bringing that malacha into fruition. Only when you're setting up in a circumstance where it's for sure going to happen. Meaning to say, you put a candle that's lit right now into water. So now when that candle burns a little more, so it's going to shut off by the water, right? Whereas if you just put it into a cup with water in it, it would burn all the way down. You did a malacha. Or you take a bunch of water and pour it on the side of a talus that's on fire, you're for sure putting out that fire. Why? It's for sure going to go out. But here, when he goes into the water, even though God's name is written on his arm, it's possible it won't get erased. Because if it was for sure going to get erased, what's the Chiddush of Meshavshev? Why does it say you can't scrub? Either way, it's coming off. So here, the Rashba wants to bring a distinction. How do you guys say this distinction is? In order to be a grandma, what do we need? What do we need, guys? A doubt, an uncertainty. We need a suffix. If there's no suffix in the result, then it can't be a grandma. It's tantamount to doing the action itself. Yeah? So this is a Chiddush of the Rashba. We're going to see this application. The halacha is tremendous. This is the last thing. You know, why do you think, what's the logic here, guys? Why is it that when something's a groma, the action's not attributed to me? So one way to say it is because it's not the normative way to do it. Maybe it is attributed to me, it's not the normative way, and therefore I'm not liable. Or maybe because it's not called I did the action because it's a doubt whether the result was going to occur. The Salavechik here brings down, this is already in the Rishonim, I brought it to you, Rishim of Salvechik, because I know you guys appreciate that. <laughs> That's Plus, he writes, he writes it very, very clearly. It says as follows. Yesh Leimar. It says like this. You could say, Let's say the result happens simultaneously with the guy's performance of the action. Right? Or it happens immediately following it. So obviously, if the result's happening either simultaneously or immediately after his action, so we say, yeah, that ha- that's because of you. We see you in the result. So you shoot the gun, and the bullet goes flying out, even though you're not the bullet. Since it was a result of you pulling the trigger, we see the flying bullet as a result of you. It's an expression of you. 
Ach, But what happens now if I hit a button, and now only five seconds later something starts to shake? And that what happened only five seconds after you finished being an involved party, as mikri grama. That's called a grama. Meaning to say, if we can make a disconnect time between your action and the result, that qualifies already as a grama. Why? Because if I hit a button and only 10 seconds later the machine turns on, so then we don't see the machine turning on connected to you. Since it wasn't an immediate result, immediate reaction to what you did, to your performance, therefore the prohibited effect that you had isn't traced back to your pu'ula, it's not traced back to your action, and that disconnect is qualifies as a grama. So grama, you're going to be pater. Doesn't fit with four. Why? Well, at the same time, I mean, you're the wind, the wind and the fire, at the same time as you blowing the fire. Okay. They're connected, then it's still, it's still grammar. Good question. Good question. And then also, there's an answer to that question, but yeah. And then also, this unless unless you add in the second note, there's no suggestion that the, the rub also would stipulate that that if it was psigratia again, it would also be not allowed. But the rub, that's not. It doesn't say that here. Psychration sure. is a different sugi. Psychration is a question of intent. Sorry, for sure. In the, in the, in the case of Hashem, in Hashem Zayim, that's for sure the same, that's the same co-op. That's, that's going to start with your co-op, um, your action going into the tzvila. Um, unless you say, unless you save the rub by saying, oh, he also meant... No, but you went into the water, and it could be, it's not going to come off until you're in the water for 10 minutes. So we don't see it as you going in isn't the immediate erasure. It's like this. I want to I make a cheshman now. Yeah. According to all of these different opinions, let's talk about a certain case. Let's say I have a watermill. I have a watermill, and the purpose of this watermill is to make flour. So what do I do? I have the machine. Yeah. And every day, let's say, the tide changes, and when the tide changes, the mill starts to activate. Now, what is the halacha? If I go ahead and put wheat into this mill, I put wheat into the mill while it's not moving. But I know when the tide changes, it's going to move and it's going to grind it. Is that considered my action? Is that a maisa? Is that a malacha de raisa? Or is that considered a grama? Yeah? We could hear that it's considered my action because by me putting it in, it, I know it's eventually going to, you know, when the tide changes, the wheel's gonna start pushing, and I'm, I'm grinding the wheat. I can say no. You know, there's a big disconnect. There's a huge difference in time. A disconnect. It's not happening right now when I put it in there, so what do I do wrong? This is a machlokus in the poskim. Levena Ozer says, Levena Ozer is one of the fundamental poskim in Urchaim. He says, He has a whole big discussion based off of what's the def- definitions of grammar. He says, based off of everything, to put a leech on someone's skin, even though the leech is going to be the, what's extracting the blood. Right? We know it's a nisad to extract blood on Shabbos. 
from what the source is, that's a discussion that you shouldn't, but it's for sure also to extract blood on Shabbos. So there, to put a leech on someone is also in Torah. And similarly, to take a water grain, a water mill, and use that on Shabbos, that certainly is Torah, for sure. Comes along the Magin Avram. Magin Avram is a more fundamental, he's probably the primary commentary on all of our Chaim and Shulchan Aruch. Magin Avram says as follows, Even if a Jew was to take wheat and put it into the mill on Shabbos, there's no Chiv Chattas, until you go ahead and grind it with a hand grinder, a hand mill, you're not liable for grinding this, for grinding this uh, wheat. So we have here a machlokis between the Evan Ozer and the Magin Avram, whether or not using a water mill is an Isidur or an Isidur Yeah? Now, according to our different approaches to understanding what a grama is, let's plug it back in. Who, which opinion does each one go like? So if you hold, there's an Isidur here. Let's, let's go in the order of the Rishonim, right? What was the Rush's opinion? What defines something as a grama? Is this is this normal way? Excellent. Is this the normal way to go about doing it? I would assume that if that's the question here of Ram or not, the Magin of Ram is going, right, because it's only an Isidur Abana, is going like the Rosh. Why? Because he says you're only liable until you do it with the Rechaim Shalyad. What's so special about Rechaim Shalyad? It's the normal way to do it. That's how we usually grind the wheat. So there, if you do it with a water mill, you're exempt. It's not the normative way to get that result. Grama. So now let's, what about the Rebbein of Parrots? You have to do everything in your power to bring about the result. So if the Allah is like the Rebbein of Parrots, I would think the Din's like the Ebena Ozer. It's an Isidur Why? Because how am I going, what do I have to do to make this water mill function? I have to put the wheat there. That's it. That's all I have to do. Did I do that? Absolutely. So if I did that, comes along the Ebena Ozer and says, I'm Chayim, Midir Now according to the Torah, what would be the din? The tour needs, number one, either my action self-defined, or I have to have intent for it. Either way, I'm going to be liable. So when I put it in the mill, so I would assume my action self-defined. Why? Because like the Rashba, there's no suffix, right? There's a suffix. The tide, I think, has been happening for at least, everyone agrees, at least 5,781 years. Could be more, but at least that long, right? Now, that being said, I don't think that's a suffix. The way to get out of it is maybe no. Maybe if defining an action is like Rusalvechek, that uh, any time there's a hamtanazman, there's a break between what I did and the desired result, then maybe that's not considered my action. Even in that, if that's true though, it would depend on what's my intent. If I intended for it to be grinded up, so still I would be liable, according to the Torah. If I didn't have intent, then maybe there would be a reason that you would say, like, he holds like the Magin of Rome. So that's one example we see that all these different opinions in the Mishonim come up with a practical difference. Now, let's take the next step. I don't think any of us has grinded wheat in our entire lives, right? Can't imagine. Shabbos clocks. Let's talk about the Shabbos clock. Shabbos clock. If I change the state of a Shabbos clock so that whatever is functioning right now goes off earlier. Leil Shabbos, Friday, 
I was stanking in the base, I got excited. I was planning to stay up to one o'clock in the morning for sure. And then, Friday night, DBT baked some challahs, knocked me, knocked me out. I have to go to bed early. The problem is there's light on, right? I'm Ishmael so. Not just DBT, yeah? Now, light's on. So can I go ahead and change the, the switch on the Shabbos clock, you know, knock some of those pins down so it turns off earlier? I'm not going to turn it off, Chas I'll turn off the lights on Shabbos. I'm going to write, uh, from guys. But, but, I don't know why you guys are laughing. Yeah, but, what, what would I do? I know, I can, I can, what's it called? I can just, uh, I can just hit this, the pin and it'll go off on its own in six minutes. Why not? So let's, let's do the math, right? Let's do the math. According to the rush, is this a normal way to go ahead and turn on enough lights? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is not normal. Anyone turned on off on and off a light like that in their whole life? Absolutely not. So according to the rush, maybe this is called a grandma. I could hear that. It's called a grandma. According to the Rabbeinu parrots, is this a grandma? Absolutely not. What do I have to do in order to make this turn off? Exactly what I did. Just turn the pins. Now it's turning off because of my action. I set everything in place. So, whereas according to the Rasha, it would be a grama, according to the Rabbeinu parrots, to shorten the time this is going to be going, would be an Isidoraisa. Now, according to the Torah, would it be a grama or would it be Malacha? Malacha, why? Why? Oh, no intent. Oh, we get that soon. So number one, there's no intent. Now, comes along Michael Hammer and throws in this way. There's also no suffix, right? The Rashba. According to the Rashba, so then what would be the din here? Also Asr. Midaraisa. According to the Rav would this be permissible? Could be. Right? If Rav is a reason which stands on its own, so the fact that there's a distinction between time and what took place, it could be, it's a grammar. If Rav Salavechik is discussing within the framework of what defines an action based off the Torah, so then even if there is a time differential between what you did and the result of what you did, if you still intended to turn off the light by doing so, that would still qualify as a malacha. Fine. Now, let's take it the next stage. That was all within Shabbos clocks. You guys ever heard of the Shabbos oven? You have the Shabbos oven? No. There's something called the Shabbos oven, guys. Now, the Shabbos oven is one of the most frustrating things that ever came into the face of the earth. I'll tell you why. Because even the people who made the Shabbos oven agree you can't use it on Shabbos. You can only use it on Yantif. But they call it the Shabbos oven. So right away I'm frustrated. But what's the Shabbos oven? The Shabbos oven is as follows. You take a button. It's on a machine. Yeah? You hit the button. Five seconds later, Five seconds later, the oven turns on. Groma. Groma. Why? Because there's a disconnect between your action and the desired result. So now let's check if that's true. So beside the nomenclature, I'm not going to set we call it the Shkoliyantav oven, right? The Yantav oven. But the Shabbos oven. So now let's, let's go see. Is that, is that Mutter Asa? So according to the Rush, is this a normal way to turn on the oven? So it depends. According to 
You know, most ovens don't function like this, right? You, turn it, you hit the button and turn it on. But every oven has a button. This oven, how do you turn it on? This is how you turn it on. This is how you turn it on. On this oven, this is how you turn it on. So is that, is that called a grama? Because in the general category of ovens, this functions in an abnormal way. I would assume not. That would be a chiddush. If that's how this oven functions, so I would assume that's called its normative usage. That's how it would normally turn it on. And therefore, that would qualify as a malacha. I see questions. Yeah, Joey. Um, so we said that Rama is your pater and Yep, 100%. That's the Gemara that we saw in Tav Kof Chaf. Source number 8. Joey. I don't understand the distinction between this case and the time of that case. You could just make the argument that that's the way you turn it on. Once you plugged in the timer, that's the usage. I would think that the oven also is just like a grown because it's not the normal way you use it during the week. No, this is the normal way you use it in the week. This is the lay now. Like, no, it doesn't work the same way. Well, there's two different on buttons on the, on the Shabbos oven. I assume there's only one on button on the Shabbos oven. Well, if you're saying the matter of where you press, it doesn't matter if it's going to take longer. Right. That's the only every time you turn on this oven it takes five seconds. And this is there's two different modes? Yeah. If there's two different modes, then he's right. If there's two different modes, is a Shamus mode and a regular functioning mode, then according to the Russia it could be a grama. That's true. hundred percent. I was assuming there's always always turn on the one way. If that's true, there's two different ways it turns on, that'd be considered a grama. hundred percent. Okay, so we'll see if that makes a difference. We'll see if that makes a difference. So let's keep going. Rabbeinu Peretz. What's Rabbeinu Peretz again? Let's do everything that I have to do to make sure this comes into fruition. Did I do that when I hit the on button? Yeah. Absolutely. Rabbeinu Peretz, So even if in the rush there's two separate modes, we're going to say it's a grammar. Rabbeinu Peretz, even if there's two separate modes, this is Tamalacha. According to the tour, what was the tour? Machave. Is Machave here? Yeah, yeah. Obviously. According to the Rashba, what do I need? A suffix. Is there a suffix here? So I'll tell you guys, they built some of these with an algorithm. Do you know what an algorithm is? An algorithm is, is that it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. They made it, Pedafka, so it doesn't always work. So that way, if I hit the button, if I hit the button, it could be that either way it's not going to turn on. So what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to hit the button again. So that means every time I hit the button, maybe it's not going to turn on. And maybe if it's not going to turn on, there's still a suffix. And then even though I'm going to hit it a second time, so there you go, I'm going to hit it a second time. But the second time, maybe the algorithm will also produce it doesn't turn on. So the hitting of the button could be, debatably, a suffix every time I hit it. So maybe according to the Rash, but that could still qualify as a grammar. One second before the questions. Let's finish it up. According to Rishlema Zalman, there has to be some kind of distinction in time. So would this be a grammar? Sure. For sure. So according to the tour, the Rabbeinu Peretz, this is for sure going to be Malacha Deraisa. 
when it comes to the Rosh, the Rashba, and Rosalavichik, it could be this is considered a grammar. Yeah, Avishai. So that's the Torah. The Torah is going to say that's why it qualifies them. Yeah, why don't you just have an oven that's on all Shabbos and love? You could do that also. But people want to save money. They don't want to stop, burn away, burn away the electricity bill. The environment. What about the environment? Forget your bank account. Yeah? Michael. Oh. Oh, it's like this. So now, that's why the Rashba, even the Rashba is questionable. Because the Rashba, what's our case in the Rashba? The Rashba is that I go in the water, and me going in the water is dubious whether or not this name is going to be erased, right? Now, when it comes to activating this oven, so even if each push is a doubt, the result is for sure going to turn it on at the end of the day. So there, I could hear, it would become debatable where according to the Rashba, the Arpuskim that say that in the Rashba, and based on this Rashba, that the Shabbos oven would be Asa. Yeah, Evie. Yeah, that's that, right, 100%. That's the two sides. Do we view it based off each, each push? Yeah, 100%. Does it go after each push? So like, it's like this. Listen, you guys are saying good. You're saying good. This is this is two. There's a machlokas in the Achrinim. I don't understand this Rashba. There's a Chazanish. There's a Devri Chayim. There's an Avnezer. Everyone talks about this Rashba, and there's different approaches. In the action itself, every time you perform the action, it has to be a suffix. It's considered a suffix, or is a suffix in the result of what you're doing. The Nafkamina would be the Shabbos oven, right? If you know you're going to keep pushing until it turns on, is that still permissible? Yeah, I don't, I don't know who's up first. Noah, yeah? Um, can you get around the rainbow by just like closing your eyes? And everything you do? No, it's still a suffix. Yeah, but if you close your eyes, then there is a suffix that you're not sure if you're touching the right one here, it's in the right place. You can't So let's, let's say the example, right? I close my eyes and. I try to turn on the light switch. So when I hit the light switch, is it a doubt when I turn on the light switch that it's going to turn on the light? It could be pressing the wrong light. But it's, I'm still turning on a light, right? And whatever I'm doing, there's no doubt. The question is just how, how long it takes to get there. One, one more question, Aaron, and then we have to... Huh? Okay, so no, we're not going to take that question. It's like this. We're going to pick up This took way too long. Yeah, Rishama Zaman had a, a piece here. Rishama Zaman said, all these grama machines, yeah, the, the Shabbos oven, yeah, for example, if it was built in a way that this is how it's meant to function, it's functioning normally. So the whole discussion doesn't start. In a certain way, we can relate to that, right? Because what's a grama? What's a suffix? I'm doing something, 
and my action has absolutely nothing to do with taking off the name of Hashem. It's Tefillah's mitzvah. He smells bad. Whatever it is, he's going to take a bath. He's not trying to erase Shem Hashem. But now, if I make a bath with jets that, you know, push on every part of the body so you don't have to use the loofah, right? And I go into that bath, so the machine was made to erase the name. So if I step in that machine, so obviously, even if I'm not doing it, that's it's normal to function. So here also, if I have an oven where it's normal, the way it works, the way it works is that it turns on only after I hit the button. If it was constructed to do that, you can't say that's a grama. There's no disconnect from what you did, your action, and the way it worked, because it was meant, to, it, it's working perfectly. The way this machine works is that after a period of time from when you touched it, it turns on. So how could you call that a grama? Grama is only when it's not working under its normal functioning. When there's a disconnect between what you did and the result, which isn't part of the plan. That's when you can disconnect between the person who's doing the action and the result of the action. But when the machine was made in such a way, so then you wouldn't have that allowance. So that would be, you know, a big, a big chumrah here in the whole sugya. We do have, you know, we find Hashem Yerachim, if someone, you know, is, has trouble walking, they have grandma wheelchairs. You ever saw these? Like the electric wheelchairs on Shabbos. So there's a whole discussion how that works, how to different ways. Maybe it's not, uh, you're not building a unit, you're not building a circuit, that the circuit's already there, you're removing uh, something which is preventing the circuit from being closed. It's a whole discussion. So like, if you're going with Shana Zaman style, that discussion can never start, because what do you mean? You're removing this, and you're doing that, and everything's a grandma. At the end of the day, you know, it's how the machine was built to work. Obviously, there's big room for leniency in such a circumstance. I'm not saying everyone should be from on the um, but there, that would get into the discussion of everything you just talked about until now. Is that the normative way to operate a wheelchair? Is that, is that you know, are you doing everything necessary, right? Are you, are you intending for that action? Is there a suffix? They also put algorithms into that. Right? So all these different things are going to come up any time we have a circumstance of grammar. Are we going to go ahead and create you know, a result based off Grama, we have to keep into account all these different parameters. Yeah. Two last questions, Ali Janashal and then Joey Gedalia. Uh, it was Al-Kurit. Okay, Joey Gedalia. Isn't the point of creating Grama on the Isser, not a Grama, like, who cares if it's, a, if it's like a built-in thing? It's already a Grama on the Isser, so why should it be a problem? Even if it's the normative way that the Grama works. So, you're you asking Rosham Azalman? Yeah. You're saying the whole Svar of Grama only it works it's as far as to disconnect the person from the result, the action from the result. You can't disconnect the action from the result if the, this is the normative way that the result's brought about. If the machine was meant to operate in this fashion, so nothing, there's no disconnect. The action of a grama is not usher. So he's saying it's not a grama, because the grama necessitates, this, the whole basis, the logic behind the grama is a disconnect between the result and the person who did it, the action. If, if a person's using a machine in a normative way, there's no disconnect. Let's say the action is turning on the oven. Now you have something removed, and you're saying it's a normative way of creating a grama to heat up the oven. So now, if you're constantly, automatically turning on this grama of the oven, I don't feel like it's any of But where would we see grama there? We would see grama because there was a difference in time between when I hit the button and the oven turned on, right? Yeah. But if that was the way the oven's supposed to work, that's not called there was a wait in time. There's no difference in time. Where do we see the delay of time? 
Because the oven took time to turn on, the oven always takes time to turn on. That's how it was built. So there's no delay in time if it was a built-in delay in time into the actual functioning of the oven. That would be his claim. Yeah, no, instead of Janashon. So even in Rav Soloveitchik, you don't see that he's talking about machines. We don't see that they could be able to agree with Rav That's number one. The counter would be that no, that even if, you know, built in the machine is that this is the process to the, you know, to the bystander, there's still a disconnect between the pu'ula, the action, and the result. And therefore, even though the machine's operating normally, we don't, we the bystander don't connect the action to the result that happened. I think I think we're saying the same thing. I think so. Listen, guys, I, I would bet someone to answer your questions, but can we do it afterwards? Just because Mincha started a minute ago, but I'm happy to talk with you during Mincha. Okay, Ashkolch, everyone.